Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello, this is your host, Kurt Sumner, for another session of the NSPS podcast series. As you know, as listeners, we periodically have our government affairs team join us to let us know what's going on. It's been a little while since we've done that. I guess because of everything that's happening in the world, maybe it even seems longer than it actually has been, but certainly... uh, I wanted to have another conversation with John Palatello and J.B. Bird about anything that's happening that is of particular interest to us and then have them chat a little bit of just about in general of how things are working or maybe not working in, in Washington at this point. As we go through the process, one of the things we're going to talk about is NSPS activity in, in an organization known as CoughPace, and John's going to talk to us about that. That organization has been around a long time. He can talk about that as well. So I don't know, John, if you want to start or JB, maybe give us a little uh, update on how things are going now and what the what the dynamic is in the political world through COVID-19. Well, I'll start out and say that very little is happening. I think anybody who watches the evening news or picks up a newspaper recognizes that uh, between COVID and it being a presidential election year and the partisanship that has really gripped Washington, unlike anything I've ever seen in 30 years of working in Washington, uh, things have come pretty much to a stalemate. Um, The House passed a extraordinarily ambitious I would say an overreach uh, COVID bill that had everything but the kitchen sink in it in terms of a wish list of activities to be funded. The Senate yesterday tried to bring up a more limited and targeted COVID relief bill, and um, it was not successful. They did not get the 60 votes needed to proceed, which is the process in the Senate. One bright spot for the surveying community is included in that Senate bill was legislation to further implement the president's initiative on uh, critical minerals and earth resource mapping. And there were a number of very helpful provisions in that. Um, That's something that I think is going to happen. I think one of the things that we have learned from COVID that is particularly relevant to surveying is that we have become very dependent on other countries and in particular countries that are not extraordinarily friendly to the United States for our supply chain and particularly our manufacturing supply chain. So the ability to develop more mineral resources here in the United States that become 
the part of things we do every day in life. In fact, the device that our listeners are using to listen to this podcast now has dozens of uh, different minerals uh, in them that right now are coming primarily from foreign countries. So I think as we come to grips with having control over our own supply chain, both from an economic security and a national security standpoint, something will happen, maybe not this year, um, but uh, I think there's bipartisan consensus that there, there is a need for that. The only other thing that I, I would point out, and uh, JB can add anything else that is of major interest and significance for NSPS, um, and this is not unrelated to the issue I just mentioned, is that the FLARE Act, the Federal Land Asset Inventory Reform Act, that would uh, authorize and uh, instruct the Department of the Interior to develop a current accurate inventory of the land the federal government owns. Uh, that bill has been scheduled for a hearing in a subcommittee of the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee next Wednesday, uh, September 16th. Uh, that could be next Wednesday, depending on when our listener is listening to this podcast. But as of the day we're recording it, it's next Wednesday. Uh, NSPS will be submitting a statement for the record in support of uh, the the bill, but um, we don't foresee any controversy to that. Parts of that bill have previously passed the United States Senate as part of a larger energy bill. And um, as as Congress is trying to find things that are bipartisan and where there is agreement that they can pass, this year, uh, if not before they adjourn for the election, but when they come back after election day in a lame duck session, uh, I think there will be an attempt to to try to accomplish what they can in that regard. So those are, those are two of the major things that are uh, of most immediate uh, interest and timeliness. JB, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to add to that. Just real quick, yes. I don't I don't remember if the event that you and JB facilitated related to critical minerals was something we had talked about on a previous podcast. I know we had some information in the newsletter probably about it, but I don't remember if we did it on a podcast or not. I don't recall if we did either, but uh, NSPS was a sponsor of an event uh, in Congress that was hosted by uh, a caucus of members of Congress that are interested in manufacturing. That was a new audience for us in that context, because obviously surveying is a service profession, not a manufacturing industry. But uh, again, the, the need for uh, data, uh, in particular LIDAR data, elevation data through the USGS 3DEP program, we were able to present to that audience. and. Um, it was a great way of informing and educating uh, staff of members of Congress of the importance of uh, surveying and geospatial data uh, to resource development uh, to support manufacturing. And JB, I'm sure will will add a, a comment or two about uh, some of the benefits we've seen as a result of that event. 
I think one of the things that struck me most about that gathering was the charts that were up showing all the minerals and where they come from and what the percentages were. Um, for someone who's not involved in that on an everyday basis, it was stunning <laughs> to see the statistics that you were talking about earlier in terms of where they're coming from. Well, I, it struck me, and I think I made the comment of the day, that I hadn't spent that much time looking at a periodic table since my high school chemistry class. Yeah. But, but I, my, my impression or the impact on me was the same as you, Kurt. Uh, it really was an eye-opener as to uh, uh, how dependent we are on foreign source, sources uh, for a lot of these chemicals or components or critical minerals. And uh, how much we need to identify what our domestic uh, capacity is, what our domestic inventory is, and get on with the business of, uh, of mining and developing those things in uh, in a environmentally safe and, and responsible manner, but again, to support the economic and national security of our nation. And uh, Kurt and John, this is JB. Just to, to kind of put a couple of final touches on that briefing back in February, NSPS sponsored the briefing and was it was the uh, the main organizer as well. In fact, uh, a couple of, of helpful things came out of that briefing. First of all, some of the participants of the briefing included the U.S. Geological Survey, USGS, that manages the 3D elevation program but also is the first time that we really have engaged the Department of Energy and their connection to the critical minerals, critical materials issue. And therefore we've cr helped create a dialogue between the Interior Department and the Department of Energy through the USGS DOE connection now. Um, when you look at the legislative or lobbying efforts uh, to help support 3DAP in critical minerals and earth MRI, uh, we were able to take the largest probably crowd and attendance for a briefing on 3DAP on Capitol Hill and translate that into a couple of things. Number one, uh, John Pelletiello did testify before the Interior Subcommittee, the House Appropriations Committee on 3DAP. Uh, on top of that, the ask is $146 million a year. That was also then amplified when we were able to get 50 trade associations or professional societies like NSPS to co-sign a letter asking appropriators for the exact same ask, $146 million a year. And then we were also able to get, uh, I believe it was 11 senators this year and 36 House members to also write the appropriators asking for robust funding for USGS 3DAP. So right before the pandemic hit, the, the timeliness and the relevance of NSPS hosting and sponsoring the, the uh, briefing in front of the House Manufacturing Caucus was a, was a really big deal. And uh, I think we did briefly touch on it, but we didn't go into that much detail as we have this uh, today. Yeah, thanks, JB. And then uh, just to follow up on John's uh, comments about things kind of slowing down a little bit on the Hill, except for one or two items here and there, uh, I will let you know behind the scenes, NSPS has been very active uh, through the regulatory side, but also 
uh, still tracking uh, potential big deals or big ticket items on Capitol Hill of interest to NSPS membership. Um, first off, later this month, September 30th, is a deadline for numerous big time authorizations or reauthorizations. Uh, we're talking about the highway bill expiring September 30th. We're talking about the national flood insurance program expiring and uh, needs to be reauthorized by September 30th. And then the government funding and the appropriations bills, uh, all of those are, are coming together by the end of this month, September 30th. So we're, we're still trying to track uh, a lot of those developments. Um, and then behind the scenes, we mentioned 3DEP already, but NSPS was a part of the uh, uh, a coalition call with the OMB budget examiner for USGS uh, two weeks ago. And we had a very good discussion with the, the point person at OMB that's in charge of putting together, in this case, uh, fiscal year 22 budget for US Geological Survey. And then finally, what I'll mention is the issue that just seemingly will not go away, and that is the GPS issue and the interference issue of Legato. And NSPS has been all over this issue uh, and, and keeping track and, and staying involved with coalitions that we'll, we'll connect uh, and, and talk about in, in, I'm sure, the next few minutes. So a lot of things are happening away from the legislative side of things, and we are staying uh, on top of those. I'm curious, JB, um, John was talking about things slowing down and, and obviously it, that's true. Are you seeing your, your, I won't call them your competitors, your cohorts uh, in, in the advocacy side from other organizations still continuing to be very active as well, or has, has that slowed down for other people? I, maybe, maybe you can't even answer that. I was just curious. Well, I would say that uh, the number of coalitions that NSPS is involved in, um, I think it's, it's actually picked up. And the, and the urgency is that without being on Capitol Hill in person, there needs to be some kind of catalyst to keep these coalitions moving and, and informed and, and working together. And so what I've seen is that there, there's way more interaction with these, these, these coalitions. Um, whether we see a lot of our colleagues, we work with the coalitions, that's a different, different story. But I would say that NSPS, it really hasn't dropped off whatsoever. And in fact, I think it's actually intensified in some areas. Yeah, let me just add a point to that, Kurt. That's a great question. Um, you know, and, and JB and I, uh, JB does come to the office. He does work remotely. Um, but Washington, D.C. is still basically shut down. And um, so the nature of the advocacy business has changed radically. Um, no more visits to Capitol Hill, no more meetings in federal office buildings. But, um, you know, I see JB's calendar and in terms of phone calls and uh, web meetings and different remote and virtual means of communication, um, it's probably a higher level of activity than it was before the, the pandemic. So um, uh, activity level, higher, uh, the nature of communication, very different than it was as recently as February. Yeah, it's interesting. You were talking about the 
communication modes, the way people do things. And, and I've heard a number of times, even said it myself with regard to the, how we operate as an organization, the impact of this whole episode is going to be felt further down the road in a lot of ways. The way we hold meetings, you know, we're doing some virtual meetings now that that could be more more commonplace. And I'm seeing that throughout the whole surveying world in a sense. And so that's one of the reasons I asked the question is, is, is it likely? And it sounds like it could be that what lessons we're learning, if lessons is the right word, maybe procedures we're learning may carry over even after the, the, the scare is over with in the way we do things. And perhaps in a lot of cases, maybe for the better. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how much we return to normal, to use that term, how much we return to uh, the pre-COVID way we do things, and how many of the new ways of doing things that we've adopted or adapted to in COVID become permanent, and we continue them after the pandemic is over and the health risk has been reduced and the, uh, a vaccine is out there and, and anything else that's needed to uh, abate this. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how life changes, not only from a, an association standpoint, but I think from a surveying standpoint as well. Um, you know, I mean, what impact is all of this going to have on government budgets at the federal, state, or local level? And for surveyors who do municipal work or county work or state highway work, um, how much of an impact is it going to have on that market? Um, you know, many of us have become used to working from home. And so I think a lot of employers are reviewing uh, the square footage of their office space. Do I need all this office space or can I reduce my my footprint and have people work remotely, which means is the commercial office construction market of which surveying uh, is a part, will that uh, decline? So I think it's going to have some impacts. I know surveyors that I talked to have said, um, it's extraordinary how they have, in very short order, um, built up their IT systems, being able to have field crews send data at the end of the day back to the office for processing. Um, these are things that are not going to change. Those are new ways of doing business that uh, I know one owner told me that they had been talking about that in his firm for three years, but they never got around to really implementing a new system. Well, they ended up implementing it in about 48 hours when they had to, and it's now the way they do business. So it's changing surveying as well, uh, if I could be so bold as a non-surveyor to, to say that, but uh, that's the feedback that I'm getting from a lot of surveyors. Yeah, I agree. I, I hear the same kind of things. Uh, and speaking of communication back and forth, um, one of the things that I think really helps us in the efforts that are related to what we do in government affairs, as we call it, um, is the information that you guys share with our readers every week in the newsletter. Um, I don't know if you get any direct feedback from that uh, at your office, but uh, I know that people see it and pay attention to it. And, and I get 
feedback from people on a fairly regular basis. Um, so I, I don't know how much you want to expound on that, but it is a really critical part, I think, of, of this whole portion of what we do as NSPS is to, in, in this arena, to keep everybody informed the way you guys are doing it. Well, I think what what you have done, Kurt, in developing news and views as a weekly e-newsletter is a great benefit to the members of of NSPS. And JB and I are delighted to be major contributors of the content to that newsletter. What what we try to do is um, is accomplish two goals. One is, um, and this is really where, where JB comes in, is just a report on legislation and things that are happening um, on issues that are of interest or issues that are on the NSPS agenda. But also, we try to report on trends or things that, that be, may be happening today that are going to create a greater demand or have some impact on this profession of surveying somewhere down the road. So, we try to provide a, a great benefit to the members that the items that we put in news and views is a little bit of market intelligence, a little bit of market forecast. So if our members are paying attention to what's in that newsletter, they're starting to see trends. They're trying to, they're starting to see whether it's legislation or government reports or news items that maybe not today and maybe not tomorrow, but maybe in the weeks and months and years to come is going to create either an opportunity or perhaps a threat. But, but we're trying to report now on things that surveyors should be thinking about for the future. And I think that is an enormous benefit, particularly for our members who are principals, owners, and partners of their own firms. I, I agree. One of the things that talking about this advocacy side and JB mentioned earlier, how many coalitions, partnerships, whatever terminology we want to use that we're developing now over time uh, and more so than ever before uh, brings back uh, a thought about something that you, John, probably I think were right at the very beginning. I, I remember my first. Uh, experience was coming to Washington, D.C. from southwestern Virginia to a meeting of this group one time, and I think it was my first time in the big city, so I you know, had to <laughs> kick the dirt off my boots to get through the door or whatever. But this, the, the organization known as CoughPace has been around for a while and still is active. Um, I don't think we have as many organizations as we, as we used to, but I remember those, those events were really a big deal. Well, yes. So uh, the nature of cough pace has evolved and changed over the years. Um, I don't like throwing around acronyms without explaining them. So cough pace stands for the Council on Federal Procurement of Architectural and Engineering Services. And basically, it is the, a coalition of different design professional related organizations, professional societies. Um, and the mission is to promote, preserve, protect, and defend the Brooks Act, qualifications-based selection, primarily at the federal level. And uh, NSPS and its predecessor, ACSM, 
have been members since the early 1980s. So uh, there's really some seniority and longevity to the surveyor's involvement. The organization itself was formed to work with Congressman Jack Brooks to get the Brooks Act enacted in 1972. So that's how far back it goes. Um, and uh, as I said, preserve, protect, defend, promote QBS. And that is talking to folks on the Hill, uh, trying to make sure the, that we protect it, trying to extend its, its reach and different activities um, that, uh, that the Brooks Act applies to, um, particularly as federal dollars flow down the state and local government. Um, we try to make sure that, that QBS flows with those dollars. We also have, have a program, Kurt, that uh, a lot of NSPS members take advantage of, and I, I kind of liken it to the, um, you know, the little Homeland Security slogan of "If you see something, say something." Well, if if a if an NSPS member sees a procurement that is a bid request, uh, and uh, and believes it should be procured via qualifications. Uh, if that member sends to you and, and you forward to me a copy of that solicitation, we have a very good batting average of uh, working with the procuring agency and pointing out the requirements under the law and regulation and getting that procurement back on track as a qualifications-based selection. And when we do that, the we do that in the name of COFPACE. And the, the identity of that individual who brought that procurement to our attention is kept confidential. So um, an individual is not sticking his neck out or, or, or risking, um, you know, sort of being a whistleblower. Uh, we do it in the name of the profession, in the name of Coughpace. And as I say, we have a very good uh, batting average in getting those things turned around. And, and that's, again, part of what COFPACE does uh, in promotion of qualifications-based selection. And speaking of coalitions, um, it seems as though every time I sit down and try to list all of the, those coalitions we're part of or relationships in general in this particular arena, uh, it seems to be an, an ever-growing list. <laughs> I know I, I did that a while back trying to provide something to our leadership and uh, by the time I got to the bottom of the page, I was thinking this is a lot of things that we're doing here. And, and again, JB, that's a lot of that comes back to you, of course, because of the work that you've been doing. So I, maybe you want to add something to that, perhaps. Let me jump sure. in, Kurt. I just want to tee it up for JB because he does an excellent job on this. But that's one of the things that, that really, for, for folks who understand how Washington works, coalitions are key. Um, Kurt, I know you're the son of a preacher and you enjoy music and you know there's a, there's a lot louder and stronger voice in a choir than there is with one singer. And um, as good as that one singer may be, uh, you know you, you just have a, a stronger voice with a choir. And coalitions are really a, a, a choirs. They are like-minded people. They have a uh, common policy agenda and work together to advance that policy agenda in Washington. And one of the things that JB and I have 
worked on uh, since we have had the, the honor and pleasure of, of being a government affairs consultants for NSPS is getting NSPS plugged into more and more coalitions with like-minded organizations to advance um, the policy interests of the surveying profession. So with that introduction, I want to pass it along to JB to talk a little bit about what, what he does and and maybe help you with that list uh, to give our listeners an idea of the depth and breadth of, of coalitions and the reach of NSPS and the influence of NSPS by working through coalitions uh, with other organizations. Yes, thank you, John, for the, the tee up. I'll, I'll try to be very brief about the background for each of these groups, but you're right, Kurt, um, there's a lot the, the list is pretty long. Let me uh, just start off with where we we just touched upon with cough pace. So I'll just kind of label these coalitions procurement related uh, professional services or markets connected with surveying and mapping uh, services. Uh, cough pace, obviously, we've just already discussed. Another one is the Construction Industry Procurement Coalition. We'll move on to the Business Coalition for Fair Competition, which NSPS is a, also a longtime member and is, is really focused on the uh, federal prison industry issue. Uh, and then let me transition to probably the largest one that we're involved in as far as number of organizations. I think it's pretty close to 200 trade associations or professional societies, and that's connected to the highway bill. It's known as the Infrastructure Working Group, which is uh, co-led by the National Association of Manufacturers, as well as the Associated General Contractors, AGC. Then we'll move on to um, small business. Uh, a good one for small business interest is the coalition for a white house conference on small business that has roughly about 50 organizations a part of it um, and then i'll transition to we mentioned earlier the gps legato issue and we were involved in three separate coalitions that actually do work together but they're separate entities uh, the first one the largest one is known as the coalition against the legato order that has about 80 organizations a part of it. The other two, uh, a relatively new one that's popped up is the Keep GPS Working Coalition. And then the one that we've had a pretty long distinguished uh, connection with, uh, they've had one or two various names, but the current version is known as the GPS Innovation Alliance. And I know, Kurt, you've already done a, a podcast with the executive director of, the, of GYPSIA, uh, David Grossman. So uh, those are the three ones connected to, to Legato and GPS oversight and pushing back against the interference issue. And then finally, I'll just finish up with the surveying specific coalitions that we work with. And these, this will be very quick as far as alphabetical. Um, the 3D Elevation Program Coalition and USGS, the 3DEP Coalition. Next up is going to be in NOAA, our friends and partners in NOAA, uh, the Digital Coast Partnership Advocacy Coalition. And then we'll move on to our friends in FEMA, and that is the NFIP program, 
we, what, we, what is known as the flood map coalition. And then finally, um, another uh, big organization, roughly 80 or so organ, uh, trade associations or institutions uh, for overall the USGS budget interests is called the US Geological Survey Coalition, the USGS Coalition. Um, I'm probably leaving out a, quite a few, but I, th I just thought that'd be a good place to stop. And if you had any any thoughts or follow-up, Kurt, on any of those. Yeah, thanks for that, JB. Uh, obviously, there's a, a a breadth and depth of, of our activity there that that supports our profession and supports our members. And so I'm thinking, uh, as John pointed out uh, in something he sent me, we're less than 60 days away from an election. One of the things that a presidential election sometimes overshadows is the fact that other people are going to be elected during this present this time too. And uh, John, if I got your information correctly, th th 435 seats in the house and 35 Senate seats are also up. So all the more reason for our members to go out and, and uh, vote and make sure that we're supporting people who support the things that we are involved in. And let me hasten to add that uh, beyond your civic duty of voting is, I think, your professional obligation to support the organization that supports you. And that is for individual surveyors to sit down and write a check or get out their credit card and support the NSPS Political Action Committee. Even if it's $10, $25, every little bit hurts. But again, that is a coalition of surveyors who are advancing a a political agenda and trying to get elected uh, individuals who understand surveying, understand the importance of surveying to our country and our economy and our, our way of life. And, and those who, um, who take leadership uh, actions and positions to, uh, to, to help us. So it's, uh, it's critically important. Absolutely. And I, I don't want us to get uh, away from today without, remembering what today is. So er, everybody gets, I don't know, I'm gonna, not, not going to say caught up, but the term 9-11, everybody knows about 9-11. Uh, it's a good day to stop and reflect about what that actually means and in every way, in terms of vulnerabilities, in terms of heroism, in terms of sacrifice, all of the above and much, much more um, that 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 date uh, represents. And so I don't know if either one of you have any comment you want to make about that, but I didn't want to leave today without mentioning the fact that this we're recording uh, on that anniversary. Now, you know, to me, uh, Kurt, with particularly with everything that's going on in our country today, um, in our cities, with our police departments, uh, even seeped into the first NFL football game of the season last night. Uh, what 9-11 does for me is it's kind of like the 4th of July. It, it's, it's a remembrance not only of those who lost their lives that day, but you know, it was, it's our free enterprise system. It's our representative form of democracy and government. Uh, those were all attacked too. Our, uh, and and um, 
I'm the internal optimist, and while being respectful and, and pausing to remember those that, that lost their lives, today's also a day that reminds me what a great country we live in and, um, and the freedoms that we enjoy. And um, uh, what I'll say, Kurt, about 9-11 is I can't put it any better than what John mentioned. Well, what I will say is I'll try to, to micro-target what it meant to me professionally and that is, I got my start on Capitol Hill um, on October the 11th of 2001. And so I, I literally got started in this arena, if you will, one month after 9-11. And so every time, every, every part, you know, this time every year for, I wouldn't say every, you know, over the last, you know, roughly two decades, it's my, it's my starting point for public service. And if there's anything to maybe... Uh, advocate for on behalf of the general public is John John's point about the pack, and not to connect it to, but to simply say, um, you know, at, at the lowest points or at the worst points of our our country's uh, existence, or the most troubling parts of our our country's existence, folks from the general public stepped up and tried to to give back in some way, shape, or manner. To the extent that professional surveyors, the expertise and the and the great good that they put together and and work on behalf of our society, that needs to be recognized at a far greater level than it does than it is now. And so, I think the call to the surveying profession is, uh, to the extent it's possible, take the next step and get even more involved in your communities. Get in, get more involved with the the status of your respective commonwealth or state. And it's certainly at the federal level, uh, try to get even more involved with, with advocacy any which way you can. Uh, agreed. Well, thank you both for joining me today. Um, I really appreciate it. And I know our listeners are going to appreciate it. Um, obviously we need to keep our series going as time goes along and, uh, COVID slowed us down a little bit in that, I think, uh, as it has everything else. But again, thank you both for being with me. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Kurt. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor. Surveyor.